0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for The Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. It's good to see everybody again. I know I've been gone for a while. I was I was sick there for a little bit. I was on vacation. I've been traveling and doing some work and so I've missed a couple of shows but it's really great to be back. We got a lot going on in healthcare. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great and uh we certainly appreciate you uh, being back in and um look forward to an interesting discussion this morning and in the future. Uh you know, it seems that uh Washington has an endless Source of information to talk about all the time, and it just gets crazier and crazier. It seems. Yeah,
0: they've really devolved into. They're really just lying to us all the time. Uh, life is really difficult right now. It's uh, as a doctor, as a business owner, as getting. You know, I'm approaching season or uh, senior citizenship, so I've got some life. You're experience, just a kid. <laughs> I've got some life experience behind me. And I have an understanding of things that I see with my own eyes. And it's kind of like, uh, when people talk to me about how things were in the eighties in a historical perspective. And I can say to myself, that's ridiculous. I lived it and that's not, that's not at all what happened. And, you know, one of the things that's really frustrating to me is, We're living the 70s over again right now. I remember what it was like with Jimmy Carter with inflation through the roof, with these massive gas lines, expensive, uh, expensive gas. Uh, America was was on the decline, people were depressed and not feeling good about ourselves and we know why, it was these leftist policies and here we are experiencing the exact same thing again and the thing I would say to encourage young people out there who might be a little depressed about what's going on is Jimmy Carter ended, Ronald Reagan came in and we had the 80s and into the 90s which was the greatest explosive growth of the economy uh, in modern history Uh, a, a growth of freedom a rebirth of pride in our nation because we truly are the greatest society in in the history of humankind and opportunities here are better than anywhere on the planet but as Reagan used to say all the time freedom is never more than one generation away from it, extinction and if we don't pay attention it's going to be gone.
1: Scott here's a here's a side of it that uh, is not known and was not mentioned just now and uh, I'm an optimist, by I just think it's going to get better tomorrow. And if it doesn't, well, it'll get better the day after tomorrow. You know, I, that's I'm an, an internal or eternal optimist. But the first time that I really started shaking in my boots, as you know, I farm and I also have oil interests. But I was talking to my farmer, and as I was talking to him, we don't know or uh, the news media isn't telling the truth on anything and uh the farmers in west texas and in eastern new mexico and arizona what my farmer larry told me sounded like he was describing the 30s not 2022 it was And, I mean, I was hearing depression, depression, depression. We've not had a drop of rain. We haven't had any here in Atlanta like we normally would. But we haven't had a drop of rain for the farmers in West Texas in well over a month and a half. The crops finally came up but are being destroyed by the 102, 105, 112-degree weather, and the sand is is like a a sandblasting machine destroying the crops.
0: So basically what you're saying is history is repeating itself, and a lot of this is because the people that are in power refuse to learn from history, and they're simply trying to maintain... Power and control for themselves. And it's so obvious to people with any sort of life experience under their belt. We're supposed to have a constitutional republic. We're supposed to be a nation of laws. And we see right now that the politically connected are immune to laws. You know, if you're Hunter Biden, uh, you're treated one way. Uh, But if you're a a conservative or somebody that's not in political favor with the ruling elite, then you're treated another way. We see a lot of these people with the so-called January 6th insurrection that to any uh, reasonable person knows that whatever happened there, There was some wrongdoing for sure, but it certainly was nothing related to the years of um, Antifa burning down cities and uh, doing the same types of things, only perpetrating real violence. You know, the media lies to us over and over again, whether it be telling us that the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, you know, that he murdered people and all this kind of stuff. We go through the trial. It turns out uh, that... uh, He was completely exonerated and that it took videotape of him uh, in the act to prove his innocence because the powers that be were so committed to making an example out of him. Um, We've uh, seen the uh, Trump collusion hoax. This is is insane to me. You know, I always explain to people when you're talking about the media, Trump was impeached recently for what they call a quid pro quo, meaning... He was uh, basically telling uh, Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, that if you investigate into Hunter Biden, into his corruption, then I will give you aid. And that if you don't, I won't give you aid. That was called a, a quid pro quo. Now, the left does this all the time. John Kerry. I mean, we can go on and on. These. That's what they do. Uh, on a regular basis And nothing ever happens to it But Trump was accused of this They went through this impeachment And Trump did something that they didn't expect He released the transcript of the phone call And we could actually read it And see that that did not happen Now to any normal person You would think, okay, game over We're done with this, let's move on But no, they went along with the impeachment hoax Now the Republicans did too man, Almost all of them They acted as if this was some sort of legitimate uh, operation and some effort to get to the truth. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm living in the Truman show. This is ridiculous. I'm looking at the transcript. It didn't happen, but they went on with the impeachment anyway. And, you know, he didn't, he, he ends up not being impeached and people just kind of move on like nothing to see here. And it was like, yeah, even though all of the powers that be were against him, he was so innocent that he couldn't be impeached. And listen, this is not, uh, a statement in favor or against Trump. It's just to look at the facts. Now, I can go to my phone right now and I can bring up a video of Joe Biden when he was uh, vice president at the Council on Foreign Relations bragging that he told uh, the, the Ukrainians... Either you fire the prosecutor in the next six hours that's investigating my son, Hunter, who's on this board of this corrupt oil company, this corrupt Ukrainian oil company called Burisma. You either fire that prosecutor, you're not getting a billion dollars in aid. And, you know, to quote Joe Biden, he says, well, son of a, you know, they fired the prosecutor. Now, that is the exact same thing that they impeach Trump for, but you never hear anything about it in the media. And now it's, it's just a joke. And listen, all media has bias. You know, I teach my kids about this all the time. Everything has bias. Uh, people are biased that 's why we can 't have suppression of speech because the only way that we can get to the truth is to allow speech and allow the market of ideas to decide this censorship is uh, is absolutely ridiculous, and we see it now in medicine, we see it in politics we see it in everything in in our education system if the uh, controlling powers don't like what you're saying, they censor you. And well, they say that you're, you know, that you're a hater or or uh, that you're spreading misinformation. And they use all these euphemisms to try and justify the censorship of free speech. But they're, what they're really trying to do is control their, their uh, political and ideological opponents.
1: You know, it's not just censorship, but it's just flat out lying. And... 100%. You know, it, it, it's this is what's driven me crazy and as I was talking about the farm and, and and the scenario and the look you could be painting a picture of 1930 during the Dust Bowl and 2022 right now I mean it'd be the same painting on the wall and people are bitching and moaning about oh the, you know the price of diesel for the truckers is you know and it is it's crazy But it's also affecting the farmer. My farmer has to buy diesel to run his tractor, you know, and it's killing him.
0: Well, the entire world economy runs on energy, and right now the left is doing everything in their power to suppress energy. They keep pushing this green energy, which is totally ineffective, even in their most fanciful uh, um, scenarios— There's not enough green energy to be able to supply the energy needs of the planet. And people talk about fossil fuels and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we've been talking about it on this show for a long time about how corrupt research is promoting ideas and how the left constantly uses corrupted research to promote this global warming narrative, which if any scientist tries to come in and perform a study to refute, Uh, climate change or global warming, they're completely shunned. They can't get any grants, uh, from the government. And so there's this manipulation of data so that they're getting the information that they want, which is this idea that man-made global warming is the worst thing happening on the planet, which is just ridiculous on the face of it. And I'm, you know, I'm getting to that age now. Where I'm sick of ridiculous things. The idea that Cuba has a better healthcare system than the United States. When they live under a communist dictatorship that is so horrifying that people float on rafts through shark infested waters to get to the United States. And you have the United States that basically welcomes in anybody coming across our southern border, unless it's Cuba. Those people, they got to go straight back to Cuba because they're people that are fleeing socialism, which is exactly what's happening here. And the left understands that in order to transform our constitutional republic into their socialist utopia, they have to control three things, energy, education and health care and sadly they pretty much do control those things right now on the education front we're sitting here arguing about whether or not boys should be allowed to use the girls bathroom we have this this supposedly trans kid in virginia that raped a girl a young girl in there he uh he was just quietly moved from that school to another school and it was it was completely buried um a, a lot of you out there may not even be aware of this uh event but i mean it's absolutely horrifying we got um critical race theory being t- being taught to our kids which is essentially teaching our kids to make judgments of other human beings based on race it's it's racism on the face of it it's utterly ridiculous they're doing it on the down low um and if it wasn't for the lockdowns during the covid pandemic a lot of parents wouldn't have been aware that this is happening. And We saw the election of Glenn Youngkin in Virginia as a complete repudiation of this indoctrination with critical race theory. Uh, the, um, you know, the people that are indoctrinating our kids in our public school systems argue that this, this indoctrination isn't happening. And then down in Florida, they have a bill where they simply want to avoid sexual discussions with young kids, kindergartners through third grade, and there's this outpouring of rage about the "Don't Say Gay" bill, when the bill has nothing about it in there, and it's just pure lies and pure propaganda. to how people are falling for this—it blows my mind. Now, I have had a couple of things that have happened to me during my medical practice in the uh, in the last uh, couple of months that have really frustrated me about how this socialist takeover of healthcare care has occurred, and the first of it is the, the shoving down our throats of what we call electronic medical records. Mm. A lot of people might not be familiar with this, but in medicine, if you have a medical practice, you are forced to use a series of electronic medical records uh, systems, which are very costly and very difficult to use, and they don't provide any useful Medical information, unless you're a government bureaucrat that needs data and control over healthcare. For example, let's say you wanted to implement a new ICD 10 code, which is the coding system that we use to give you a diagnosis according to the American Medical Association. Say you wanted to implement a new diagnosis code for, say, COVID that gives hospitals massive reimbursement for making the diagnosis of COVID. With very low, um, very low parameters for making that diagnosis. So the point being, if it's just your gestalt, if it's just your gut, you don't have to have any actual data. If you think it's relevant, you can simply put COVID nineteen as a diagnosis, and the and you know the the government will, which is basically us, will reimburse these hospital systems tens of thousands of dollars for this diagnosis, which is which is utterly ridiculous and this is how the system the electronic medical records helps the government maintain control over our over our health care now 30 years ago when i was in medical school and i started going through my residency training and we were actually and i feel very blessed that i went to a medical school st louis university where they really trained me to be a doctor i mean as a as a an experienced doctor now looking back i realized they really did give me the tools to be able to take accurate histories and to critically think sadly a lot of that is gone i've had a lot of students that i have mentored that have since gone to Ameri- or gone to uh, st louis university i talked to them about the curriculum and you know when i took anatomy you know anatomy's pretty relevant to a doctor right it was a year-long course. It was one of the most difficult and rigorous courses. I talked to one of these young people that is just going through, and they say, oh, yeah, anatomy was like one month long. But we do spend a whole lot of time going over these ICD-10 codes and uh, CPT codes, which is the surgical coding system. They're, they're churning out medical bureaucrats is what I'm trying to see. And I know wh- what I'm trying to do is show people how socialized medicine destroys doctors Destroys the system, rations the care, changes the care, so that when you're a patient, you don't have the ability to actually get the care that you're seeking because either the doctor is ill trained and incapable of delivering that care, or the system simply won't allow that doctor to deliver that care. And let me explain how that works. Now, <clears throat> 30 years ago, when we used to do, when I was trained to do my medicine, we were trained how to do Medical notes. So when a patient first comes in, we do a thing called a history and physical, which is a standardized way of collecting information. You start off with the patient's chief complaint. We get their history of present illness, which is a discussion of the circumstances surrounding their illness or injury. We talk about timing of the disease, pain, location, radiation, aggravating and alleviating factors. We then go into a past medical history. We then go into a physical exam. We then put in objective data like laboratory tests or x-rays, MRI, CT scans, and things like that. And then we develop an assessment, a differential diagnosis uh, with that relevant data above, and then a plan of management. It's an organized way of assessing the medical condition of a patient, putting it down in an organized fashion so that when I see this patient a month later, I can read my note and immediately remember and know what's going on with that patient and continue my care. <clears throat> these electronic medical record systems are so committed to forcing you into these crazy diagnosis. I don't want to get into it now, but when you, you look at these ICD 10 coding, the diagnosis codes, they're so ridiculous and so bureaucratic. And, you know, things like gunshot wound to the left hand using a shotgun. I'm not 100% sure that's what it is, but it's that silly. So that when I'm seeing a patient, and then I gotta go to this ICD-10 code and try and figure out what the real diagnosis is, what is the closest ICD-10 code that matches that, and so, while I'm trying to find this code that the system cares about, I'm not paying attention to you, the patient, anymore, and I'm getting frustrated. And I'm just gonna tell you, as a young doctor, I mean, I had no idea how to do this stuff. No idea, so, doctors tend to just put the easiest thing they can think of that will pass muster. And so you lose accuracy of the diagnosis right there. The other thing is the system tries to pay you according to how you code. Now medicine is very nuanced, meaning I may sit down and spend a lot of time with the patient figuring out what exactly is going on. And the government is always wanting me to, to, uh, and when I say government, the government are the people who support and mandate and sort of implement these ICD-10 codes, the diagnosis codes, and the CPT codes, which are the procedure codes. So, like, when I go do a total knee replacement, it has a number with it. That's called the CPT code. The government is invested in collecting that data, and so what happens is you get a disconnect between the doctor who's trying to work on their patient and provide accurate medical information and also trying to put the data down the, in a way the government wants to hear it so that we can maximize our payments. So, for example, in order to get a higher level code, you know, we, we when I do a, an evaluation of a patient, the code levels are level one through level five. So a doctor, if it's a doctor visit, the minimum code you can use is a level three but a level five is supposed to incorporate the complexity of the issue. And so the higher the complexity, I get a little bit more reimbursement. So as a physician, I'm trying to jack up the complexity of the case so that I can get reimbursed the most. And all of this leads to a couple things. Number one, it leads to an inaccuracy of diagnosis because people are checking boxes that they ordinarily wouldn't check for example I'm an orthopedic surgeon so I focus on bones and joints and you know I focus on orthopedic stuff I don't really focus as much on heart lungs kidney and things like that I do a little but sometimes the electronic medical records has little boxes that you need to check in order to complete them and what happens is doctors just haphazardly check boxes normal 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 or or they'll try to use some vague statement that won't ever be wrong like arm is present i mean okay great so it shows you looked at the arm but what kind of information really is arm is present it's nothing but you say it because i know that it won't be wrong usually although sometimes people do make mistakes and say things like the arm is present when the patient's missing an arm so that's how crazy this is now 30 years ago i keep digressing 30 years ago when I used to write my orders, for example, after a surgery, I'd be thinking about the patient that I just did, and we had a way of doing our orders, admitting to whatever service. What is the diagnosis? What is their condition? Stable. They're guarded. They're critical. Um, I want the nurse to check vital signs. Here are the drug allergies. Uh, <clears throat> the This is the diet that I want the patient to have. And we had this standardized way of doing orders. Now, it took me about a minute. To write these orders, but I used to think about every individual as a physician, as my patient. I know this patient. I know the issues with this patient. I would write it down. Now, about 30 years ago at the VA, they implemented electronic medical records. And I remember in the middle of surgery one day, I was like, oh, yeah, we're no longer accepting your handwritten orders. You have to go use these electronic medical records. I was like, well, what is this? This is silly. And it was just this ridiculous. Um, very cumbersome, clumsy, not intuitive way of using a computer to write these things. and so orders that I really would think about um, that used to take me you know, a minute to do now all of a sudden it's spending me literally forty five minutes to an hour to do these notes, to do these orders, trying to work through the system, and then sometimes the system. Won't have, for example, let's say my patient was on a beta blocker, a certain beta blocker. I go to the part on beta blocker, and the choices that the computer gives me, the beta blocker my patient is on is not available as one of those choices. So I go, okay, well, I'm going to try and fill it in. There's no way to fill it in. Couldn't do it. So I go, okay, well, let me skip that and go on. Nope, the computer gives you a hard stop. So you're not allowed to go past that part of the orders to complete it. So now I'm forced to choose one. So I pick a different beta blocker Complete those orders Then I got to go back into the order set And then I got to type in an order Saying disregard the beta blocker order From the original orders And I just remember being so frustrated Like how stupid is this Who came up with this What is the point of this I remember going to the operating room I started my next case My beeper goes off And I asked somebody to call the, And they say well we need you to do orders on this patient And I was like I just spent an hour doing those orders. And they're like, yeah, but that was in the recovery unit. Now they're going from the recovery unit to the floor. <clears throat> uh, we need new orders. And I was like, it's the same orders. I want that to be the same orders. And they're like, you have to come and put it in the computer. So very frustrating, 30 years ago, they had to mandate it through government edict because the electronic me- medical records were so expensive, so cumbersome, so clumsy that a businessman or a doctor businessman <clears throat> says to himself, If I invest in this electronic medical records, is it going to help my business? Is it going to make me more efficient? Is it going to somehow allow me to deliver better, more efficient healthcare and improve my business? And the answer was universally across the board no. Doctors refused to do it because the product was not useful to them, and so the government got sick of this, and they just said we're going to go to the Veterans Administration, government health care, which is how this always works, and mandate it. And so they've mandated it. Now you fast-forward the 30 years, and now I'm not allowed to have a medical practice without electronic medical records, and the, me- the electronic medical records are just as useless – They're a little bit better. But, I mean, they're still quite useless. I really would never purchase these things for my own benefit today because they're not effective. They don't improve my medical practice. They don't improve my delivery of care. Um, They hinder it. And they're incredibly expensive. And, anyway, I have to do a new electronic medical record system because the one I had is getting old and nobody's using it anymore. And so we've been interviewing a lot of these EMR systems to choose which which horrible one are we going to go to and it just got me frustrated it's been 30 years and it reminds me of climate change it reminds me of renewable green energy, it's like I know you want it to happen, I know you want it to work, you want it to be that way it just isn't and you keep forcing me and other doctors to do it and the people who suffer are patients.
1: Scott let me ask you and I'm not sure of the date on it but we have a thing, or you well know, we have a thing called HIPAA. What
0: has EMR done
1: to HIPAA?
0: So HIPAA is super, um, super complicated. Most doctors wouldn't even, me included, wouldn't even be able to give you a real f- thorough, accurate description of HIPAA. But the whole concept of HIPAA was supposed to make your medical records transferable so that you'd be portable, so you could go from one provider to another provider and they don't use HIPAA for that at all. HIPAA is really, um, about privacy and it's, um, it's about more government control and it introduces bureaucracy into the system. And of course, as always happens, if The government can't control you outright with laws. They regulate you to death. And we're seeing it right now with these red flag laws with the guns, right? It's the same thing over and over again. We have a second amendment with constitutional authority, and this is the erosion of our constitutional republic and what this show is about and why you need to be on guard and why you have to understand that healthcare is a major pillar of dissolving the constitutional republic but they they're you know the the second amendment of our constitution basically says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. now if you go back and you read the um if you read the writings of our founding documents you will see what the founding uh what the founders believed what they were thinking about guns and the you know, in a nutshell, the concept of the right to keep and bear arms was the right of citizens to keep and bear arms to protect themselves against a corrupt government. And I know a lot of people these days will roll their eyes. Oh, here we go again with the corrupt government as if it couldn't happen. I mean, we see it all over the place right now. Um You look and see what's going on in Canada recently with, uh you know, the truckers were uh, protesting the lockdowns and you saw Justin Trudeau basically go and freeze the bank accounts of anybody that was involved with this protest this is totalitarian behavior and it's coming to our shores as well if we're not paying attention and they do it through a variety of different ways and what I try to do is take my experience because one of the things I think I have is not necessarily intelligence god knows it's not that but I am a hard worker and I have experience. I've been in education for a long time. I'm familiar with research. I've been in research for a long time. I understand science. Um, I've been in business, the, specifically the business of medicine for a long time, and I work at our hospital systems and I see the bureaucracy there. I see how all of these things um, inter, interweave with each other to, to end up um, controlling us. Now, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes. I'm going to get into this a little bit more about how the government is continuing to control our health care system, that it's one of the three things necessary to transform a constitutional republic into their so-called socialist utopia, energy, education, and health care. And we're going to talk about where we're at when we get back. You're listening to The Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio.
1: Before we go to break, uh, I just want to congratulate Rich McCormick, Dr. Rich McCormick, for his win over someone that I wouldn't trust if I had a gun to his head. But We'll uh, talk
0: about that right when we get back. I okay. actually have some inside information on that that further explains how they're lying to us about everything. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctors' Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom – and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber and David Moxley on America's Web Radio. Um, so before we went to the break, we were talking about the fact that the the government's attempt, or I should say the, the, the permanent political class, the elite's, uh, The deep state, whatever it is you want to talk about, the people that are running our society, in order to transform a constitutional republic where we have uh, certain rights and freedoms ensconced in a constitution, they want to transform it into their so called socialist utopia. And in order to do that, the government needs to control the energy sector, the education sector, and healthcare. We saw that with education that they're indoctrinating our children during the COVID pandemic. A lot of parents became aware of this with critical race theory, uh, this trans agenda where they're talking about sexually explicit subjects to young kids, kindergarten through third grade that down in Florida, there was an attempt to make legislation to prevent the discussion of complex sexual topics to young kids. And there was a, uh, um, a world, not a worldwide, but there was a nationwide uh, cry from the left trying to stigmatize this this law that was coming down in Florida under Governor Ron DeSantis as a "Don't Say Gay" bill, when there was nothing of the sort in it. They were simply uh, trying to demagogue the issue. Um, we saw with the energy sector. Joe Biden, listen, when Donald Trump, love him or hate him, when he was in office, our gas was $2 and something a gallon. You know, it was cheap. The cheapest that I've seen it in a very, very long time. We were energy independent for the first time ever. Meaning, and this is one of those things, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist. This is one of the things that lets you know you're living in the Truman Show. I mean... Energy independence means we make all of our own energy so we don't have to go hat in hand like Joe Biden is doing right now to Saudi Arabia uh, to Venezuela, you know to these countries that hate us uh, begging for oil, we were able to produce our own and not only that be a net a net exporter of of crude oil now the it 's no secret the left is committed to forcing this green agenda on us, even though none of listen they control everything they control all of the propaganda we know for a fact that they're using junk science to always promote their 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 agenda to sort of dupe the useful idiots into believing that man-made global warming is the single worst thing happening to the planet when we know that the the facts and the data show that the amount the maximum amount that humans are contributing to global warming is a fraction of a percent. It's so ridiculous on the face of it. But yet they continue to push this narrative. Joe Biden, I'm just watching videos of him telling people, look into my eyes. I guarantee you the fossil fuel industry is done. They're over. He, he said on day one, we're going to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. It's so ridiculous. And then from that moment on, we saw gas prices go through the roof. Now, he's trying to blame it on everything under the sun, the- putin tax hike i'm not even sure what that even means the putin tax hike but they use these focus tested words in politics where they go the their consultants will say "Well, just say putin and say tax hike and we'll just say it over and over again and then the useful idiots out there will be going yeah the reason our gas is high is the putin tax hike you ask the useful idiots explain to me what that is i don't know but i saw it on cnn and msnbc and washington post it's utterly ridiculous and uh we're seeing the same stuff going on now in the healthcare system with these uh um with the control i'm going to get into the healthcare system in a little bit but i want to go back to something that david brought up right before we went to break about rich mccormick now it's no secret rich mccormick is a good friend of mine he's an amazing guy rugby player that's where he and i bond the most we're both i 'm an ex rugby player this guy still plays he 's insane <laughs> he was one of these american gladiators um, he 's a marine he 's in the navy he 's a pilot i know it 's getting ridiculous right oh yeah and he 's an emergency room physician. I love this guy he 's a one hundred percent i want you know it 's like I hate using this term conservative he 's what I consider normal. He's a normal person. He's a good guy. He wants people to have their own rights and freedom. He thinks just like me. I know him inside and out. This guy is genuinely one of the best people I know. And just to, I happen to know some inside facts here that I think will be interesting for you to kind of give you some perspective on how the media is always lying to you, how it's hard for you to go Google something and find the truth. And it's just really hard for you to get the actual facts about what's going on unless you see it with your eyes. And that's one of the things that I really want to communicate to people out there is you have got to do your homework, you've got to be engaged, and you have to believe your lying eyes. And don't trust what people are telling you. I don't care who it is. And I'm just going to give you an example. Now, Dan Bongino is somebody I respect a ton. I don't know him. Um, But I I listen to his podcast, and truth be told, I get a lot of the concepts of what I want to talk about from the healthcare side from what he's doing. He's, in case you don't know who Dan Bongino is, he's a former Secret Service agent, and he now is a a Fox News host. He has one of the top podcasts on the earth. Um, He's a very smart guy, but he's a regular guy. That's why I really like him because he's he's like I, I get the sense he's a lot like me. He's very smart. But he's also more street smart than anything else, and he gives you his take by experience. So again, I don't know him, but I've been listening to him for a long time. I like how he speaks. I like some of the things he says or a lot of the things he says. but he was doing a discussion about um, the election results yesterday on his podcast and he was talking he was trying to talk about does the Trump um, does the Trump uh, um, endorsement? does it really carry a lot of weight you know he's talking about in alabama and other places it seemed to help but for some reason in georgia it didn't help and he brought up the fact that jake evans was the trump endorsed candidate in georgia but actually rich mccormick won and he was making the assertion that a trump endorsed candidate didn't win the election now let me give you the nuance on the inside Jake Evans' father, and this is what's gross about DC. And someday I'm going to do a show about this, about just drawing all the connections, about how all of DC. When I, when I was younger, a younger doctor, and I started going to DC naively, believing that if I just presented the facts about what was going on in healthcare, that they would make correct decisions and promote healthcare freedom and things like that. And what I learned was they fully understand what's at well, not fully, they understand a lot. They don't care. They're getting paid by special interests to vote the way they do. And that's why we're losing our healthcare freedom. And you start to notice like, wow, this person's been in power for a really, really long time. And it turns out before they had the seat, their dad had the seat. And if you go back to their state, their brother's the governor and their dad is, I mean, it's just so, oh, and they're married to the anchor at CNN and they're, you know, they're also married to this journalist at the New York Times. It's so inbred and it's so connected. So anyway, Jake Evans' father is Randy Evans. Randy Evans used to be Newt Gingrich's lawyer, the Speaker of the House, back in the days when Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House. When Newt left, he became the lawyer for the next speaker. I'm I'm blanking on his name right now. So Randy Evans, Jake Evans' father, Rich McCormick's opponent in this primary, was the lawyer for Newt Gingrich. And listen, I like a lot of things Newt Gingrich says, but sorry, He's been in D.C. and around D.C. in politics for just way too long. And, you know, to be honest with you, he makes a living off of media, politics, and all that stuff. He's in it. He's part of of what I call the swamp. There's degrees of this, but he's not about just giving us our freedom back 100%. He's he's kind of, um, he's got a, a business run, and I know this because, as I was trying to do things in politics, uh, especially with health care that involved uh you know what we thought was saving the country uh, opposing Obamacare, we went to Newt Gingrich and he was like, "If you want to talk to me it's a hundred grand you know no i'm not I'm not saying anything about Newt Gingrich in a negative light in terms of of uh him charging us money, but the point is it's a business for these people it's not for me this is not a business. am I getting paid here, David? no." I come and do this on I usually run to my surgeries because I'm worried about the country and I want to share information. I don't have any ulterior motives here. This is just me doing this. But, you know, other people have motives. Now, listen, it's not always corruption, but it is bias. I'm going to get into this, right? Bias is involved in everything. There is no, there is no neutral, you know, this idea that people don't have bias. It's not true. Everybody has bias. The effort that we make, especially in scientific research, is an attempt to reduce bias, understanding that we never get rid of it. Now I'm going to talk to you about some bias right here. So you got Randy Evans, who's Jake Evans' father. He was Newt's lawyer as when Newt was Speaker of the House. He then was the lawyer for the next Speaker of the House. He's also gone back to being Newt's lawyer in business and things like that. And he also got appointed to be the ambassador of Luxembourg. Huh. Now, fast forward <clears throat> Guess who Trump's endorsed candidate was before he endorsed Jake Evans? I'm going to give you one guess. Who do you think Donald Trump endorsed to be the candidate for Georgia 6 before Jake Evans? Exactly. You got it. It was Rich McCormick. Then all of a sudden, um, Randy Evans, Jake Evans' father, started going to Trump and pressuring him to change his pick from Rich to Jake. Jake. And he did. Also, and I I don't know any of this, but I'm just saying all of a sudden all these fake um, commercials start appearing for Rich McCormick saying that he's um, a rhino, rhino saying that he uh, approves abortion, and they're using these, you know, Rich is a doctor. So the American Medical Association endorses a doctor. And the American Medical Association endorses all doctors because they want to be able to have influence with those doctors if and when they become elected. Now, make no mistake, the American Medical Association is fully left-wing, and I'm certain they don't want Rich, you know, a conservative to win, but he is a doctor, and if he does win, they want to be able to have potentially have some influence with him. So Randy Evans, I'm assuming, you know, Newt and these people – they know how the game works. It's like, let's just go brand Rich McCormick a rhino. Uh, and let's say that, uh, you know, he's pro he's pro abortion simply because the American Medical Association endorsed him. Now, they know this is disingenuous. They know this is a lie. But this is how the system works. And if you didn't have inside information like me, you'd be walking around saying to yourself, "Wow, the Trump endorsed candidate didn't win the Georgia 6th. And I'm here to tell you, Rich really was the Trump endorsed candidate. Trump just caved to pressure. This is my opinion, but well, it's not my opinion. It actually happened. Rich was Trump's endorsed candidate. And then, um, when, when Jake Evans came on the scene, Randy Evans started politicking and, and, and talking to Trump. And then Trump switched his, uh, his support to Jake Evans. So. I'm here to tell you Rich McCormick yesterday won in a landslide in the primary, which is great. And you should all know that the real Trump endorsed candidate won. So that's good news, meaning somebody who's an actual conservative and not part of the permanent political class in DC where, you know, they just kind of move paper clips around. And at the end of the day, <clears throat> the people that are involved, they maintain power, they maintain wealth, they maintain control. And meanwhile, we're paying five plus dollars at the pump for gas and being told that it's a Putin tax hike. When just a few years ago, when Trump was in office, we were paying $2 a gallon. Um, We watched the government over the past several years through their uh, grotesque, grotesque overspending print around $15 trillion using COVID um, as a, as a foil, to simply uh, spend money that we didn't have. And now you hear Biden walking around going, nobody could have predicted this. Nobody was predicting this inflation. Folks, this is why in a constitutional republic, as much as we want to have people take care of us, it's a natural thing. I want my mom to handle it. I want my dad to handle it. I want the FDA to handle it. I want the government to handle it they don't. That is why the free market is so important. That's why when I was a kid growing up, they used to teach us caveat emptor. That was one of the main things about economics, is buyer beware. It's your job to watch out for what's going on, and um, at the end of the day, whenever you have socialism, which is the government controlling the means of production, and the government owning all private property, uh, you, you there's there's no way for them to manage it. If you read Friedrich Hayek's book, The Road to Serfdom, he makes a very obvious point that the free market is millions and and millions of individual wants, needs, desires, and ideas being addressed by millions of entrepreneurs managing each one of those wants, needs, and desires. And the free market always knows. The free market always gives us, the most choices at the lowest price the best quality it knows exactly how much the market wants and and needs and that's how much it produces and resources go into areas that are functional when the government gets involved they screw that up and as hayek points out in the road to serfdom there is no way for this small group of smart people which at the end of the day this is what the left wants their belief is that you can have this small group of smart people that are making all of the decisions for the rest of us stupid rubes who don't have the ability to run and make decisions about our own life. The problem is the people, those small group of people, whether they're smart or not, first of all, they're not smart. Dan Bongino calls them stupid smart people. And I really like that because having been in medicine for a really long time, they're made up of loads of stupid smart people. They they're smart, they think they know everything, they they can read and they do well on standardized tests, but they have no common sense whatsoever. For example, anybody who tells you that we had gas at 2 plus dollars a gallon when Trump was in office. You had Biden campaigning on the fact that on day 1 I'm going to shut down the Keystone pipeline. I'm going to shut down these leases for oil drilling and my goal is to shut down fossil fuel industry going forward and you know they keep talking about by 2030 they want to be completely on green energy and then biden gets in office he does what he says and then in in five minutes the the gas prices are up above five dollars a gallon inflation is through the roof because they're printing money that's the definition of inflation it's a way of taxing us, and the government does it all the time. They always have, and they always will. That was, you know, a lot of people will argue with you that was what World War I was about with all these central banks. You know, and the United States didn't get our central bank, the Fed, until 1913, and that's when things really started to go south. Now, look, there have always been issues, economic issues. That's the way of the world. But the best way to resolve economic issues is in a free capitalist society, in a constitutional republic where there's a set of rules that everybody adheres to and we have the rule of law which is private property rights ensconced in our constitution as soon as the government starts getting involved that goes off kilter now I am not here I know because I know people will listen to this uh, podcast and try to critique me and say that I'm a known spreader of misinformation I'm not saying no government The founders went through that, right? We had the Articles of Confederation initially that didn't work because the federal government did not have enough power. And in 1789, they ratified the Constitution. You can go back and read the Federalist Papers and understand all of the thinking and everything that went into the founding of our constitutional republic. But the key is our Bill of Rights and our constitutional uh protections Scott, I'd, I'd to like, prevent the government from doing things to us.
1: I'd like to test your medical acuities, okay? What have I got holding in my hand? That looks like the Declaration and the Constitution. Okay. As a doctor, you know, progressives are always telling us that the Constitution is a living instrument. Can you see can you tell me is What I'm
0: holding in my hand, is it breathing? So here's kind of the thing about that. Mark Mark Levin wrote a really great book called uh, Men in Black. It was one of the first books I ever read talking about the whole history of the Supreme Court. And, you know, the Constitution is not a living and breathing document. The Constitution was meant to be our anchor. You know, the way you think about it is you have a boat and it's moored to an anchor and the current drifts one way the boat kind of drifts that way then the currents kind of change and the current is a metaphor for society and the culture and things like that it drifts boat away in order to stay at freedom at The You know, the right to free speech, which we we see them attacking every way these days with you're a known spreader of misinformation or you're spreading hate speech. They use these terms, these euphemisms to try and justify the censorship of free speech. If it weren't for that Constitution, gosh, we even have the Constitution and there's still... You know, I've been suppressed, you know, on this on this podcast. We're trying to share medical information. I feel like I've earned the right to share my medical opinion. I've been in medicine for 30 years, practicing in good stead with all the boards. I, you know, I graduated the top of my med school class. But as soon as I start to ask questions about anything, you got the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming at me trying to say um, a known spreader of misinformation. This is a joke. you got the Second Amendment that says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and yet they continue to do it. And so the purpose of the Constitution was not to be a living and breathing document. It was meant to be an anchor to keep us from drifting off course. Now, there are ways to amend the Constitution if we agree uh, that that's what we want to do, but there's a process for that, and the Founders put into, into the Constitution a way for amending the Constitution, and it has been amended, right? We had prohibition, and then they decided that they didn't want to do that, and so they eliminated it. Now, <clears throat> you have to understand, too, when people talk about this country, and they, they like to talk about, you know, I always think my father used to talk about, the. you've heard the phrase that A kid kills his parents, and then before the court he says, you have to have mercy on me because I'm an orphan. That's crazy, right? The kid killed his parents. He made himself an orphan. But it seems to me that's what the Democrats do all the time. If you go back and you look at slavery and segregation and the KKK and, um, you know, separate but equal, all this kind of stuff, that was all Democrat policy, right? So they say, well, look, America's a bad country, and they're the ones who did it by pointing to what they said. It was the people who opposed them that that uh uh got them, you know, got these things eliminated. You look at the If you read the book Med in Black by Mark Levin, you know, they talk about the Korematsu decision, which was the internment of Japanese American citizens during World War Two. Now, this was definitely a gross violation of civil rights. But if you look at the Supreme Court that let down the Korematsu decision, it was primarily a Democrat-controlled court. Uh, and it was the Democrats on the court that supported it, not the conservatives. Um, if you look at the Dred Scott decision, which is uh, where Dred Scott was an escaped slave, um, he got all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that Dred Scott was property and that he was not a man, and so he had no standing before the court. Well, that's ludicrous on the face of it. Of course he's a man. But you had these democrat Supreme Court justices that said he was property Um, if you look at the Obama uh, uh, Obamacare uh, decision uh, that was clearly a violation of the Constitution but you know sadly John Roberts who supposedly was a conservative uh, he flipped his vote under political pressure and you can get into the details of this but the point I'm trying to make is there is no entity out there that is all knowing and all virtuous people are biased and people are corrupt and that's why we have to have checks and balances and that's why we have to have control over our own lives primarily health care i'm going to leave with one last story and we're going to talk about how this is happening more and more but i just had a lady that drove to see me from kentucky she has a joint replacement and she's allergic to the nickel in her joint replacement Now, apparently, this is. I've taken care of several of these patients over the year. I think I've shared the story about the first guy I had and how painful it was to come up with the diagnosis, to figure it out, to get FDA approval for a joint that had a minimum of the components or the elements that he was allergic to and all the trials and tribulations. I went there. I pointed out how this patient went to a main medical center that you would all agree is Prestigious, and you you know, you'd all be happy to be trained there. That he went to to the go see them about his joint, and they told him in two minutes, "There's nothing I can do for you." And he came back. He was shocked. And I said, "Yeah, you know why they said that?" And he said, "Why?" And I said, "Because the doctor there knows he could do five other regular joints without the hassle that you're providing, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it." And I go, "I told this patient, this first guy. I said to him, I go, you know, when I see your name on my list." I cry to myself. I go. You're going to make me sad. You're going to take a lot of my time because you're stressed. I want to give it to you, and you know you're going to force me to read and do research. I know even if we have the best possible result, you're still not going to love. You know, you're still not going to love it. And I said, Do you know why I'm doing this? And and he said, What? No, why? And I said, Because I care about you. Because we have a doctor-patient relationship. That's what this is all about. And the government control of healthcare is eliminating that. And now I have a lady who's got to drive from. Uh, Kentucky to come and see me about this. She saw my name on a Facebook post. Apparently, a lot of these people are that have this allergy to their joints are getting together for support because they can't get it from the medical community. And to talk to this lady and hear how she's unable to get in to see an endocrinologist and all the doctors necessary to resolve this problem, she's driven all the way to Kentucky, and now I'm doing all this work for her and trying to figure it out. And the reason is, is because we've had an erosion of our free market healthcare and it's only getting worse. I really hope that, uh, the things that I'm talking about are allowing you guys to see why free market medicine is so important and why socialized medicine is not only dangerous, but it's one of the key pillars that's going to cause our country to go from a constitutional republic to a socialist nightmare. So be vigilant, vote appropriately. And I will see you guys next time on The Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on America's Web Radio. Have a great day. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.